0: There is hearing. There is warmth. There is coolness. There is pressure. There is seeing. There is hearing. The best student in the
1: history of the world was a man named Bahia. Bahia lived at the time of the Buddha, and he was a trader. And one time on a routine trading expedition, he was a merchant uh, to, to Burma from, from where he lived in India, uh, he was shipwrecked, and he was the only, only survivor of, his, uh, of the entire crew. And he had nothing, and he's he's far from home. He he doesn't he can't get home. He doesn't even have any clothes. So he fashions clothing for himself out of bark. He attaches bark together, and he becomes known as Bahia of the Bark Cloth. And he sets himself up as a beggar because that's the only way he knows how to make a living. Uh, and people began to revere him and assume that he was that he was um a saint because he was he was acting like one he was uh
0: living like a renunciate and
1: he himself began to wonder if if he was a saint and he was pondering this uh he was pondering this question am i an arhat he had heard that this arhat word. And as it happened, he had a, a distant cousin who had died and been reborn in, in the uh, Brahma realms. She was a devata, a goddess. And she uh, heard him as he's wondering this. And so she came to him and she said, No, Bahia, you are not an arhat. You haven't even begun the path that leads to arhatship. And in fact, you're not doing any of the practices that would result in arhatship. But if you want to know about it, you should talk to the Buddha. And Bahia, up until now, didn't know anything about the Buddha. He hadn't even heard of him. But, but, uh, the Dewa shows, tells him where to go. Bahia travels 400 miles to find the Buddha. And when he gets there, when he, when he finds the Buddha, it's early in the morning, and the Buddha has just uh, uh, set out on his alms rounds in the morning with his bowl to get food. And you can imagine, so this guy, Bahia, wearing bark, uh, flags down the Buddha, and he says, teach me, I, I need to know, I need to know the Dharma. And the Buddha said, not a good time, Bahia. <laughs> I'm on my way to alms rounds. Why don't you talk to me this afternoon? And, and Bahia says, no, I, I, I can't wait that long. No one can predict the future. How do I know I will survive uh, that long? How do you know that you'll live through, through the day? And he pesters the Buddha three times. And finally the Buddha relents, and he gives Bahia a quick and dirty teaching. And what the Buddhist says is, in the seen is only the seen. In the heard is only the heard. In the sensed is only
0: the sensed. And Bahia, being the best student in the history of the world, goes, oh, yeah, all right, got it. Buddha goes about
1: his business. Bahia goes about his business. But as it turns out, Bahya does not live through the day. He is gored by a cow with a calf and
0: and dies.
1: In the afternoon when the Buddha hears about it, he instructs his order of monks to bury, or to rather cremate Bahya with a ceremony as one of their own, as one of the, the community of enlightened arhats. And the monks are Surprised? This guy? And and the Buddha says, yes. The Buddha, or Bahia heard the teaching and understood. So Bahya was certified by, by no less than the Buddha himself as actually having understood it. Best student in the history of the world.
0: The worst student in the history of the world is none other than the Buddha himself.
1: Remember that the Buddha was the Bodhisattva for myriad lifetimes, according to legend, before he, was re- before he was reborn in the lifetime where he would become the Buddha. So the Bodhisattva is the Buddha-to-be. So myriad lifetimes. He just keeps chugging away. <laughs> Doesn't get it. <laughs> Finally, he's reborn in the lifetime as Shakyamuni Buddha, or uh, Gotama Buddha, uh, Gotama um, Gotama
0: in Pali. And
1: I think you all know the story, so I'll, I'll abbreviate a little bit. Uh, for reasons of his own, he decides to leave his family and wander off into the into the woods to to. <laughs> to come to the end of his suffering. And he does all kinds of crazy far out practices. He starves himself and he thrusts his tongue against the roof of his mouth and I can't remember what all stuff he does. And he learns jhanas. He learns a a, a group of jhanas from an expert jhana teacher. And at some point the jhana teacher says, you've learned everything I know. You're you're the most gifted jhana guy I've ever seen, and I don't know what else to say to you. But the Buddha isn't satisfied, and so he looks, he goes looking around, and he finds yet another teacher to teach him another jhana that's even loftier than the one he has. And he masters that one, and hears the same story from the teacher. Well, you're the you're the best jhana guy in the whole neighborhood. Um, that's it. You know how to do it. And the Buddha said, but I'm not satisfied with this because as wonderful as the experience of jhana is, I can't absolutely master it. In other words, it ends at some point. I can't hang out in jhana all the time. If he could, if one could, then you would just do that. There's no issue there. You wouldn't suffer because jhana is pure pleasure. But but since the Buddha cannot... Stay in the jhana, he's disillusioned and he gives up on the whole project. And he, where, whereas he has been starving himself up until now, he, he eats himself back to health and eventually just sits down under a tree and in, in despair and says, I'm not going to get up until I understand something, until I
0: am free from suffering.
1: So the first thing that the Buddha figures out, which is the main thing, uh, within early Buddhism, is something that was summed up 2,500 years later by Chogyam Trungpa as better not to begin. Once begun, better to finish. So what does it mean better not to begin? Nibbana is, is also called the unborn. And you can take that very literally. Anyone who hasn't been born, which is a silly thing to say, because nobody hasn't. In other words, it's hard to talk about potential people. But you can imagine that if you had never been born, you would not suffer. This is, I think this is clear. Nibbāna is the unborn. There is no experience in Nibbāna. There's nobody there. There's no consciousness sitting around going, Hey, it's great to be in Nibbāna. There's nothing going on there. It's pure
0: potential. So better not to begin. Don't get
1: born. But what if you're already born? Then what should you do? Better to finish. According to to the Buddhist tradition, if you become enlightened and then die, you, you do not get reborn. Go into your parinibbana. This is considered as good as it
0: gets. Don't be reborn. So that's the main thing. And uh, as Heim once once equipped, uh, but there's a there's also a special bonus teaching.
1: And the bonus teaching is well, since we're we are here, what can we do with this? Is there anything that I could count on?
0: And here we get to what the Buddha later told Bahia. In the seeing is only the seeing. In the hearing is only the hearing. In the sensing is only the sensing. You can count on this.
1: When the when the demon prankster god Mara came to the Buddha just after his enlightenment, when the Buddha is still sitting under the tree, and and uh, said Mara says to the Buddha, "Who are you to proclaim yourself awakened?" And the Buddha reaches down and touches the earth in the famous Earth Witness Mudra. Now you could make a, you could make a story out of that. You could say. Uh, well, he says earth, he's talking to the earth as though we're a person, to witness, my awakening, and the earth says, okay, you're awake. We don't even need to do that. If you're touching the earth, you're feeling the pressure of it, of it in this very simple way, in the sensing is only the sense.
0: Mara doesn't get to have an opinion about that. Interesting thing to me is that whether
1: you whether you're drawn to the idea of, of lack of experience as the ultimate freedom or not either way we're st- we are in this situation now and we can do our what we've been calling what Vince and I've been calling meditation track B we can notice what's going on in this moment and you can be very confident that what you're feeling is, in fact, your experience. I'd like to lead you through a uh, four-part exercise The four parts are inventory of what's going on in your body, uh, number one. The second is releasing that, consciously letting out the tension that you find. The third part is surrender, surrendering to the sensation. And the fourth part is beyond surrender to the simple acknowledgement that what's happening now is just happening. So the first thing is you... You you just feel your own body and you want and you ask yourself is there any tension any unpleasant tension in the body and you just um, silently call it out to yourself well yeah
0: there's tension in my neck there's tension in my forehead there's tension in the left side of my face tension in my chest. Tension in my legs, my calves, and tension in my head.
1: So take a minute to feel that for yourself. Inventory your own tension, your own unpleasant tension, silently. And now, consciously release the tension, as though you're breathing it out. All right, releasing the tension in my neck. Releasing the tension in my head.
0: Breathing out the tension in my chest. Releasing the tension in my calves.
1: Now, the third step. Surrender. Well, how about I just let it be what it is? It's not my job to release the tension in my head. If it wants to be tense, let it be tense.
0: Not my job to release the tension in my chest. If it wants to be tense, let it be tense. Surrendering to the tension in my calves. Surrendering to the tension in my face. And strangely enough, that seems to release even more tension than consciously releasing it. And now on to the fourth and final
1: part of the exercise, which is the recognition that even my effort to surrender and accept this tension is just my last ditch
0: effort to control it. As though in my infinite power and wisdom, I can deign to accept this
1: tension. But the truth is, attention is have. If it's happening, it's
0: it doesn't need my permission. Whether I accept it or not. In the sense, it is only the sense. What's happening is just happening.
1: After nearly a year in private beta, the Buddhist Geeks Network is now open for any independent practitioners who want to engage in interdependent practice. You can find out more about the Buddhist Geeks Network by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. And if you'd like to join the community and join us in regular social meditation practice, or other events that we host there in the network, all freely offered, you're very welcome to do so, again, by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. Love to see you there.